So that's what I'm trying to tell people is that the offense for the Chicago Bears is going to be a work in progress. You know, it's interesting because I was in Cincinnati over the weekend. And remember a year ago, at this time, people thought that Joe Burrow wasn't going to be able to come back from his knee injury. They thought Jamar Chase couldn't catch the football. And so a lot of people were panicking and a lot of people were overreacting. I want to implore Bears fans to not do that with this offense. It's going to take some time. There are going to be plays that look awful. There are going to be times where the defense dominates. And to be perfectly truthful with you, uh, this goes back to something that Ill Will was talking about on Twitter the other day. It's like, hey, if the Bears have a top 10 defense, then they're practicing against one of the best defenses they're going to see all season. So I understand everybody. Listen, we've we've been through the Matt Nagy years. We've been through the Tressman years. We've been through it all. We understand I understand it better than anybody. But let's just calm down and let this play out. And as a matter of fact, Sammy, let's play that intro. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to the Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. The sickest Chicago Bears and fantasy football podcast. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank. We are pleased to have you with us today, and especially those of you in the Chicagoland area, because as you know, AM 1530 WCKG is the Chicago home of the Sick Podcast every Friday. 2 p.m. Central, we come at you. And then following immediately the no-name pod, we have Olin Krutz, Jason McKee right after us. Two hours of quality Bears talk. And I'm bummed out I missed Olin Krutz this week at the Bears camp. I don't know if he goes to Bears camp or whatever, but it has been an amazing time. And for those of you who are watching on YouTube, that's right. I am still here in Deer Park. Deer Park, Illinois? I don't know. I'm in an office park in a Hyatt, hanging out. I have some wall art behind me, and we've been having a very good time in Chicago. Got the got the, the facility twice this week. Went to practice on Wednesday. It was exciting to see all the fans out there. Everybody was having a good time. The atmosphere at camp was really good. I, I really liked the addition of the music and everything like that. The fans were festive. Everybody was cool. Everybody was having a good time. Interesting, some of the things that I saw at Bears camp. Now, I was out there for the NFL Network. I will tell you, we had a lot of great conversations coming from Bears Park. We had an opportunity to speak to head coach Matt Eberflus. We talked to David Montgomery, who David Montgomery, uh, so, which surprised me, uh, knew who I was. And he was he was like, hey, good to meet you. He's like, I've been looking forward to this. And I'm like, what? David Montgomery? The great David Montgomery. And we had a good conversation with him. Obviously, he had a, a great day at the podium on Wednesday. You know, talking about a lot of the things that he's been battling through during his NFL career. We'll talk a little bit more about David Montgomery and his fantasy expectations because we're going to be having uh, James Coe, my former colleague at the NFL Network, and of course, one of my good friends. He's going to be joining us to break down some of the fantasy implications of the Bears offense, the one that I'm telling you not to panic about. But I will tell you, the defense was looking pretty good. And we got an opportunity to talk to Jalen Johnson. And Jalen is amazing. I, we got to get him on the show. Uh, you will love him. If you have not listened to him, if you've not heard him talk, he's very energetic, very insightful. Talking about this, this team, the way it's looking now with Matt Eberflus. And, you know, talking to some people around the building. It just feels like there are more adults in the room, so to speak. It feels like a, a better run professional football organization. Now I of course will listen to people complain about stuff and they're, you know, reporters who and by the way, the the Chicago media does a great job. We appreciate everything they do, everybody who's out there each and every day. They do a great job. But sometimes and there's a a small n- number of people who can I don't know. I'm always excited to be there. So I when I hear complaints, I'm like, listen, 
A lot of things that people are complaining about too are NFL policies, not team policies. So I just want to let you know that I bounce around. I was at the Bengals camp. I've been to the camps in California. I, I will tell you, the Bears do an absolutely great job. I thought that the PR staff, from Aaron Clark down, Ben Schmitz, all those guys, uh, Allie, like amazing people, did an amazing job, made sure that I was taken care of. We had a great job on the NFL Network, got a lot of hits in. I know we we're talking about Jalen Johnson and the accountability. I think that's a huge thing because we had Jalen Johnson with us and Jalen's going to go on TV and, you know, he's excited to do this. And, and we all know, like you, you should know this by now, Jalen loves to talk. Like he's not shy about talking. He was very concerned. He was very concerned that we were going to go, we were going to run too close to his two o'clock meeting. So he's like, we got to get out of here. Like I'm not, I'm not dealing with this. That felt like a change from the last couple of years. I think that there was a, a more lackadaisical attitude, perhaps. I don't know, just trying to get a sense of it. But I do love the way that the, the, the practices went, the organization went. And again, going back to the offense, and I'll talk about this a little bit more with James Coe. There are some things that need to be ironed out, and that's going to happen. you know. And that happens to a lot of teams. And when you have a change, not only at the head coach, but you're changing offensive coordinators, your quarterback is getting first team reps for the first time in a training camp ever, which is ridiculous. Like I, this is weird. This is one thing that I found out traveling around, found this out when I was in Cincinnati. Apparently when you draft a quarterback in the first round, a lot of teams will give them first team reps. That's crazy. I know. I listen, you're, I, I'm as shocked as you. Like, it's insane to me. Like, what other team would draft a quarterback and not give him first-team reps? Like, at least Trey Lance, I feel like, was working in with the ones last year. The 49ers, of course, being in a different situation where they were a Super Bowl contender. They went all the way to the NFC Championship game. So, of course, you want your Jimmy Garoppolo to go out there and be able to do what he was going to do. But when you're a team that's rebuilding, that doesn't have somebody, an, an established veteran, because when you have Andy Dalton as your, like, why are you afraid of upsetting Andy Dalton? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're at, if you're at Dunkin' Donuts and there's every once in a while, there's, a, you know, somebody who looks disheveled and homeless and is only purchasing black coffee. Do we really care if we're losing that person's business? Like, ah, I don't know. Let's, let's be a little bit more <laughs> discerning. We were that upset about Andy Dalton making sure his feelings weren't hurt last year. But regardless, Justin Fields is out there. I did, you know, I will tell you, uh, I was keeping an eye on in Keel Harry. I was interested to see that. I was interested to see, you know, what he was able to do. I saw him getting some handoffs. And I know that anybody who was there would be like, oh my gosh, like that, that, that our Debo. But then I'm like, ah, what, maybe it is? Maybe it could be our Debo. Like, we have a number of candidates who can go out there and do a number of different things. And by the way, uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to Bayless Jones Jr., which kind of broke my heart. But it's okay. He's busy. He's out there working. They had us working nonstop on the NFL Network. Three interviews, which is incredible. We also had a couple of, we also had a couple of uh, segments. I did a rookie segment. I did another segment, too, where I was bantering with the guys who were talking about how Oh, the Bears haven't done anything for Justin Fields. And you look at the defense, and you look at the defensive secondary. Now, number one, you talk about the defensive secondary. Kyler Gordon looks as good as advertised. Jaquan Brisker, I was very impressed with. I thought he was he looked really good, like looks like a veteran out there. We saw Eddie Jackson being a little bit more active. I think that's what, what is going to be the key, is like how much is Eddie Jackson going to buy into this because there's a sixth round rookie Elijah Hicks who could easily come in and at some point take over for Eddie Jackson if they needed to but Eddie Jackson was out there running around looking pretty good and so you're like okay like I don't understand and we have this conversation it's one thing when I'm arguing with Joe Lyons fan on Twitter who is non-nuanced about hey you know, like they didn't do anything to, to help Fields out. And you're like, well, 
okay, like that person. I was debating with some of my NFL Network colleagues. Like I legitimately had to go back against Mike Girardi. Like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean they didn't give him help? Like, they re they redid half their secondary. And if you have a team that's playing in short fields, you know, that it's not having to drive 80 yards every time they touch the football, that's going to be that's going to be impactful. I mean, look back at 2018. That was definitely a a usage, a scheme. Like they were giving Mitch Trubisky short fields and an opportunity to score. That is a huge legitimate thing. And by the way, Travis Gibson, who, by the way, if you were, if you saw this on my Instagram story, I'm pretty confident that was Travis Gibson who was calling me out, who was waving hello to me on my Instagram story from yesterday. Go check it out. It might be too late. It might be gone now. But he looked amazing. And obviously, you know, you talk about the offensive line, Riley Reef. Riley Reef was playing right tackle exclusively on Wednesday. And Braxton Nichols was, or Braxton was, Braxton Jones was playing left tackle. They had Braxton at left tackle exclusively. He's out there mauling dudes. And Matt Eberflus said this, that he was going to give the, the starters ample opportunity to play in the preseason. There's three games. They got to go out and they got to play a little bit. So we'll see Braxton when he gets an opportunity against some, some live action, real pads. Reef, you know, Reef Schofield on the right side. You're like, okay, that's an impressive offensive line. Travis Gibson was giving him some fits, like some absolute fits, dipping, diving around. And I thought it was, uh, I thought it was impressive. You know, we talk about him starting to play a more natural position. And as much as we liked Khalil Mack, and he's a name, and he's a face, I think Travis Gibson, production-wise, is going to be better than Khalil Mack was last year. And I think he has a real opportunity to step into this team and really make something happen. And if Bobby Gibson, or Bobby Quinn, excuse me, if he's ready to go as well, Oh, that's going to be huge. So, and of course, the only thing—I uh, I guess the only thing that's really hanging over where there's obviously the, the, the injury to Lucas Patrick, and of course Roquan Smith, who again was out there. He's out there. He's active. He's doing his hold in. Hopefully, that situation. I think everybody's pretty confident that that situation is going to rectify itself at some point. But he's out there. He's active. You know, you just wonder who's advising the kid. Like, hopefully, like, hey, like, let's figure this out. Like, it's cool that you're out here. And you're not going to be injured or anything like that. So I really do appreciate that uh, from him. But at some point, you know, you got to go in and you got to get settled and you got to get everything going. But I just did want to take an opportunity right now to thank the Chicago Bears for handing me out. Now, obviously, I was sent out there for work for the NFL Network. But I do want to thank the Bears for their hospitality. Very welcoming, very accommodating. Uh, it was a good it was a good trip all the way around, so I cannot thank them enough. I'm really appreciative to be back home and uh, to be out there with Bears training camp. We talked to Jalen Johnson, and of course, we talked to David Montgomery. You can find all that information on my Twitter account, on my Instagram. I've been posting videos, although I do want to play one segment of David Montgomery when he was meeting with the media. Sam, if we Sam, if we can roll David Montgomery's sound when he talked about the Bears running back room. Uh, did we got that, Sammy? Yeah, uh, we got a we got a damn good uh, running back room. Um, Khalil being shifty, um, fast, you know, got all the traits. Uh, Tristan being very fast, <laughs> you know, he can get up out of there, and he's shifty too. Um, Darrington, change of pace can do a lot of everything too. Um, very good in pass protection, but also can make you miss. KB being a bruiser, big, strong guy can lift you up. I'm telling you, like, can move you. Um, Tug, he's small, but got a lot of heart, and he can move, too. Very shifty as well. Um, who am I missing? Yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just me, man. I'm just me. I just go out there and be me, for real. A humble superstar. And, of course, you caught the interview on NFL Network. He was talking about how he has not felt like he has lived up to the legacy 
of some of the great Bears all-time running backs like Walter Payton and Gale Sayers. That's that's for debate. I think that he's been very good since 2020. He is seventh in the NFL with close to 2,000 rushing yards. So I thought right now this would be a pretty good time to debut a new part of the podcast, and we like to call it Fantasy Island. Welcome to our Fantasy Island. And the best way to kick off this segment is to go back into my past, to go back to one of my favorite people that I have ever worked with at the NFL Network. Of course, you remember him as the host of NFL Fantasy Live and, of course, the co-creator of the Danger Zone. Now you can see him killing it on DirecTV along with a number of other projects. Please welcome to the show, James Cole. What's cracking, Danger Zone? Oh man, it feels <laughs> it feels weird being the one to introduce you, but I am very pleased to have you on the show. I want to talk some Bears fantasy, of course, but since you're here, how are you doing? How is everything going? Oh man, it's going great. You know, hey, listen, uh, we're going to season number five with uh, DirecTV, and um, look, you are the exception because you are an NFL media lifer, but. For the rest of us, Joe Schmoes, us, us broadcast plebeians out there, working at a place for you know anything longer than four or five years is like an eternity. So this is literally the longest I have ever been uh, at one place. And I love, love, love uh, my group over there at DirecTV. And of course, you can catch uh, all of our fantasy coverage on DirecTV channel 704 uh, when the season starts rolling along. We're, we're with you every single day. It's the red zone, but with a fantasy twist, man. Like, how do you beat it? Oh, it's it's amazing, and we got uh, we do, John Henson does it, who's awesome. Uh, Lindsay, I'm gonna I was gonna say Lindsay Soto, but I know that's she's oh Lindsay Rose. <laughs> well, we're going. I'm back. old school. I'm old school. I remember her when she was an Angels broadcaster. <laughs> Me too. Even, even before uh, she joined the NFL Network, and of course she is again. She's not she's not there anymore either. Uh, but she's great, and uh, you guys do a great job. And honestly, it's one of the ways that I love to to watch football. On a Sunday, of course, you know, I go into the green room at the NFL Network. I control four screens. I have the Bears game on one. I have one of the red zones muted. Uh, If I can get away with watching Andrews, I will usually do that. But, of course, I've got the fantasy red zone on there because I want to see what you guys are up to. We love the sketches that you do. Uh, The Bob Ross, probably my favorite. Uh, you guys, <laughs> great production value. A lot of work goes into those. So I implore anybody, if you have DirecTV, make sure that you're getting the Fantasy Red Zone channel. It is well worth your time. And it's the stuff you want to know about. You know, we, we're watching the Bears, but everybody's second favorite team is your fantasy team. So that's yes. what I want to do. And a lot of people, we get these questions. So every Tuesday night, Carmen Batali and I, uh, we do take it to the rank. And we, people ask fantasy, well, like, where are we drafting these guys in fantasy? And I have my very biased, observations and i would ask you i will start off with the guy we just heard from david montgomery who to me is probably the most enticing player of the bears Uh, fantasy wise probably will have the highest average draft position how do you feel as an outsider as a guy who only loves fantasy who has no allegiance to any nfl team how do you feel about david montgomery this season and the bears all right just we'll go with david montgomery yeah, listen, it's tough, right? Because um, he is working behind an offensive line that is uh, humbly <laughs> probably one of the five worst in the NFL. Um, it's an offense that I, on paper doesn't look great. Can Justin Fields take a step forward? Um, mm. And if he can keep that offense moving and trucking and just scoring points and keeping them competitive. Look, as we know in fantasy football, Adam, running backs are really – it's it, they're they are such a byproduct of a system and and score. Yeah. When teams are getting blown out, got like you know teams on or running backs on bad teams don't tend to do well. So mm. it makes me a little bit more worried about David Montgomery because again the the season outlook for the Bears as we sit here today uh, in early August doesn't look great. According to you. Uh, I, I, I think it looks fantastic. <laughs> I will say this though, uh, recently, yeah. uh, now obviously uh, we talked about this earlier in the show, Braxton Jones played exclusively at left tackle on Tuesday and Wednesday. And when I was there on Wednesday, 
he was dominating people. They weren't rotating. Like, he's playing there exclusively. Riley Reef was playing right tackle. Of course, they also signed Michael Schofield. So it was kind of cool looking at one side of the offensive line, and you see, like, Schofield, you see Reef, and you're like, okay, those are solid veterans. They're not, you know, they're, you know, they're not all it's not the it's not the 90s cowboys or anything like that, but still an improvement over what they had. I wonder though, when you look at the offense, and I think that for a lot of people, what we like to see is that there's going to be an offense designed for this quarterback, an offense that's gonna probably be dedicated to running the football. I kind of see that I, I kind of see it similar to what Philadelphia did last year, where they were one of the best run-heavy teams in the NFL, if the Bears can be competitive, if the Bears' defense comes alive and, you know, they they spent two first-round picks on the defensive secondary, which is now starting to look like the strength of the team, couldn't you right. reason that the Bears might be competitive and they're probably going to want to run to keep the games close? Yeah, you would think they want to shorten the game up, right? Because, again, I don't think they have the offensive personnel. And, and even the, I think the most ardent Chicago supporter would say, listen, they just don't have the pieces on the outside um to to get into a shootout they just don't um look we all love darnell mooney and that's fine uh but is he ready to take a not just a a small step forward but he'd have to take a humongous step forward uh to kind of sort of keep their air attack alive you know because the depth behind a man it's not looking great you know so um so yeah you're right i think they would be smart uh, the smart play is certainly to shorten the game up and, and to just kind of sort of stay within striking distance. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. The offensive coordinator there, Luke Getze, is a former quarterback himself. Um, you know, they, they've got, you know, that Green Bay roots there too. So how much do they want to open it up and how conservative do they want to be? I'm really curious to see, especially with Eberflus having that defensive background, I mean, Adam, you know, man, like defensive coordinators that take these jobs, they also tend to want to run that ball, you you know, so defense and the running game, it's like hot sauce and fried chicken, man. It just goes, you know, so um, I think David Montgomery is certainly going to get a lot of work. I love the fact that he's talking about the depth in that in that running back room, because I agree. Um, I think they especially with Khalil Herbert. Uh, and David Montgomery potentially give me a nice little one-two combination. They'll stay fresh as the season wears on. Do, do you think, and this again would be the most optimistic of a Bears take, which is what this show is all about. You look at what happened last year with the Green Bay Packers, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, both those guys topped 1,100 scrimmage yards. I think that the Bears, again, because there's not a lot of guys there, that it's going to be dependent on David Montgomery and to some extent Khalil Herbert getting into the mix. And I also do believe there David Montgomery is going to have to catch the football. I saw him split out wide on Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday morning, excuse me. And you're like, all right, they went empty backfield. They had David Montgomery out there running routes. I think that, you know, putting him, you know, as a receiver out of the backfield, I think because there is a lack of options, David Montgomery, I think, is probably going to outperform his average draft position. It's an it's an interesting one, you know, because again, this is a guy that had uh, what uh, average three point eight yards per carry last year in terms mm-hmm. of um, David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert was was slightly better. I think he was like four point two yards per carry, right? So, um, but again, I, I don't know if that is necessarily David Montgomery's fault so much yeah. as bad coaching. Um, offensive line play was certainly not up to snuff. Um, I agree with you. I, I think with the reef addition, um, I think with Braxton Jones, to me, it feels like they're moving at least in the right direction from the offensive line standpoint. And man, look, you know what you can never count uh, in terms of looking at a team on paper or on the stat sheet? It's just heart and determination, you know, and for me, the Chicago Bears last year completely gave up on their coaching staff and maybe the coaching staff kind of sort of gave up on themselves, too. Um, And it's really hard to put a value on that. This is a new coaching staff. You've got a breath of fresh air. Um, It just feels like going into 2022. It's just a completely different atmosphere. You know what I mean? There's a certain pep, I think, in the step uh, of the Chicago Bears. So. That, I think, goes a long way. So we'll see if it translates into competitive football on the football field. Yeah, that was one of the things that I thought was most noticeable was the players talking about accountability. 
watching the the pace in practice and talking to some of the people who covered right. the team last year. You know, I don't want to I don't want to call anybody out, but you know, I was talking to you know a couple of the locals, and they were like, "Yeah, you know, like it was crazy. Like last year, like players would show up late for stuff. There was guys like, yeah, there wasn't as much attention to detail." I will tell you that we had Jalen Johnson for a live hit on NFL Network, and he came in and he's like, "I cannot miss my two o'clock meeting. Like no matter what is happening, I got to get out of here, live TV or not. I got to go." And so I think that that's starting to permeate the building, and you know. We're all recklessly speculating what is going on with Tevin Jenkins. You know, a lot of people, you know, again, nobody really has a clear idea of what's going on. And I, I even, you know, we we talked to Matt Eberflus off the air about Tevin Jenkins, and you could tell, like, he doesn't want to talk about it. The right. information out there is the information out there. The, 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 the working theory, and it's, again, it's probably reckless to do this, but the working theory is like, hey, People who don't who do not love football are not going to make the Chicago Bears. So if he really like if there's something behind the scenes, that could be part of it. So I think that the effort, I look at the zone blocking scheme, which of course is coming in from the Kyle Shanahan or the Mike Shanahan coaching tree, that all kind of permeates down. And you're looking at David Montgomery. And again, and I'm taking a little bit of uh, a leap of faith that the team is going to be better uh, than a lot of people are anticipating. And you're like, okay, I'm I'm more bullish on David Montgomery. I might outdraft or draft him a round or two earlier than most people, or not too not too early, but still. Uh, <laughs> well, let me, right. but, but but I guess my question to you would be, if you were, and not that you're out on David Montgomery, I think that every player has a price, and it's your sure. how comfortable you are. Does that? bode well though for let's say darnell mooney because if the bears are playing in a lot of games where you're anticipating a a deficit and they're going to have to throw to get back into the ball game darnell mooney who had what 140 targets last year could probably see an increase in that total this year how bullish are you on darnell mooney yeah, I think Mooney's a great player too, you know, um, did not have a great um, catch rate last year at just 57%. But I mean, again, quarterback play was not that strong. Offensive line play was certainly lacking. And uh, I just felt like the quarterbacks, man, they just were never comfortable. Um, not in that system. Again, the coaching staff was certainly to blame there too. And you just, it was crazy last year, man, in Chicago. Like you look at the coaching decisions and you're thinking like, these guys absolutely did not put their players in a place to succeed, you know? Yeah. Um, so you would hope that this coaching staff is going to be a little bit different. I mean, it goes all the way back to the preseason where they weren't even giving Justin Fields reps with the ones that doesn't make sense. You know, no, <laughs> you know, at, at some point that this guy's going to get, get in there. Y- you got to have him build some chemistry with Mooney and Allen Robinson. It just doesn't make any sense, you know? Um, so anyways, back to Mooney, uh, you're right. 140 targets last year, not a great, you know, uh, catch rate, but I think overall there's a lot to like, um, he's smooth with it. You know, I, I just, I like the, I like watching him play football. Um, and if he can get a little bit more, you know, experience, I mean, he's you know, going to his age 25 season. So right now you feel like, okay, this is a time when players really start to enter into their prime. So you're right, man. Um, if they're going to be playing from behind, there, there's certainly a lot to like about Mooney. There's going to be some catch-up games. Um, you know, look, at the end of the day, Adam, it's like, can he score touchdowns? You know, because I think he'll, the yardage will be there, and I think the receptions will be there. Um, for him to break through his current ADP, he's going to have to score touchdowns. Last year, he had four. Um, this is one of the you know one of the lowest scoring offenses in the NFL last year. So. Um, can this team take a step forward? Um, and can Fields and Mooney take a step forward if they can? And we're talking about a guy that gets like, I don't know, eight touchdowns. Yeah, man, he's gonna he's gonna definitely bust through that ADP for sure. Yeah, I've been looking at him. It's funny because I have been drafting in a lot of mock drafts that I do, Allen Robinson, and then turning around in the next round and getting Darnell Mooney. So I can reunite them again, at least on my fantasy team. I know <laughs> that go. I know he plays for the Rams. What is your outlook for Allen Robinson this year? Because oh I'm, I'm, I'm in the camp that it. he's going to dominate. And people, and listen, and I try to tell everybody who's a Bears fan, like last year was not his fault. Let's put that on Matt no. Nagy. 
I think going and playing with Sean McVay, and I don't care if they bring him back Odell Beckham Jr. or anything. And if they do, OBJ is not coming back to like week 14 or something. Right. I love Allen Robinson this year, and I feel like I'm going to have to start overdrafting him. How do you feel about Allen Robinson? I love Robinson. I think he's going to go crazy, dude. Um, we're talking, and, and also think about not just Odell, but like Van Jefferson right now having a second procedure uh, yeah. on that surgically repaired knee. Like that is a big time, uh oh, moment. Um, if you're a Van Jefferson fan, but certainly it opens up a huge opportunity, I think, for Allen Robinson. Um, look, they get rid of Bobby Trees. And and it's basically the Cooper Cup show with Allen Robinson on the outside. Cooper Cup dominating inside. Allen Robinson working the outside. Matt Stafford, as we know, loves to take shots downfield. Allen Robinson, not necessarily a speedster, but will get opportunities, air yards, um, and volume in terms of targets and air yards downfield. He's going to have a lot of uh, of high leverage targets, which, again, in fantasy you love. He's going to see targets in the red zone. Um, they love throwing it in the red zone as well. So, yeah, man, I am all in on Allen Robinson. If you are basing, you know, what you kind of saw last year and thinking, okay, well, it, and I get it. How many times have we seen, you know, players who are of this age? Um, again, he's going to be 29 next year. How many times have we seen players get around that age and kind of have a little bit of a drop off and then a huge drop off? Like, yeah. but I just feel like that's not what we saw with Allen Robinson last year. He was, he was banged up. He certainly did not look motivated whatsoever and he could not, and he just didn't have a quarterback that could throw accurately or on time. Um, and to me, man, Allen Robinson is poised for an absolutely huge bounce back year. I love Allen, Rob especially at the ADP. Oh, oh my, my gosh, dude. He's going That's crazy it. late. He's going like in the seventies right now. Like what an absolute bargain he is. Oh, I, I agree with you. And, and once again, we're, we're joined by James Coe of direct TV. Make sure you check out the fantasy red zone this season. As you're watching Allen Robinson score, all those touchdowns. You're like, Oh, I'm so glad I listened to those guys during the summer who were telling me that Allen Robinson was going to bounce back. <laughs> I want to talk about Cole Komet, though. You talk about guys who score touchdowns. Uh, Cole Komet didn't. And I look at a team like the Bears, who last season, uh, they were 13th in the, in the NFL in 12 personnel. Luke Getze comes over. The Bears were, or the Packers last year, were second in the NFL in 12 personnel. Is it possible that Cole Komet breaks out this year? Absolutely. Um, there's actually a lot to like, I think, with Cole Komet. You know, we're talking about uh, a 23-year-old tight end. So, um, you know, now that he's got a little bit of playing experience, traditionally tight ends have taken a little bit longer uh, to develop in the NFL. And I think Cole Komet certainly fits that profile. You know what's crazy, man? Like, the guy saw 93 targets last year. Yeah. It feel like it, but that's a good number for a guy who is again out who's going to be drafted outside most likely outside the top 10 fantasy tight ends um and you're getting a bargain basement prices oh my gosh yes i love cole commit uh going into 2022 and again you know what's crazy too it's like the guy had his uh like a 65 percent catch rate i i love talking about catch rate because it just speaks to efficiency can yeah. this guy get back to about league average in terms of efficiency catching the football i think he can right? Tight ends generally get, you know, layup throws. So that 65% catch rate, pretty low for a tight end. So for me, I, I just feel like, yeah, overall, let's get this guy back up to 70, 75% catch rate. You know, you show him about a hundred targets in this upcoming offense. Guys, that's a lot to like. We're talking to, you know, maybe 70 receptions next year. Um, you know, maybe 700 yards, something like that. And you, you throw in four or five touchdowns. Yeah, I, I, it doesn't sound like a ton, but Adam, as you know, tight end is generally a wasteland. If you can kind of yeah. sort of get that, um, you're talking about potentially, you know, cracking the top 12, you know, list in terms of tight ends with spike weeks every every now and again. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and if you miss out on guys like Kyle Pitts or Mark Andrews early in your draft and you're drafting, I don't know, Mike Kosicki or somebody like that, who's a little bit further down the board. To me, when you come back to rounds 14, 15, Nobody's drafting right. Cole Komet. I take a nope. flyer on him. You never know. Again, this is, again, you look at this offense. Last year, Jesper Horstead, Zach Miller, these guys were scoring touchdowns. Cole Komet somehow was shut out of the end zone. 
I feel like that's a blip. And again, going back to Getsy and playing, you know, what he was able to do with that Packers offense. And I know a lot of it was, was Aaron Rodgers. I think that we could probably all now realize that perhaps Cole Komet's not going to be the George Kittle of the Chicago Bears. <laughs> but if he's the Robert Tunyon of the Chicago right. Bears, I sure. listen, Bob Tunyon two years ago, give me all oh, the Bob yeah. Tunyon. Like, give me the give me 10 touchdowns. I'm I'm completely fine with it. I do want to ask though, uh, we love quarterbacks. We love quarterbacks who run the football. Justin mm-hmm. Fields was still what? A top five? Like he played like six games, it felt like. He was still like top five for rushing yards for quarterbacks. <laughs> the upside's always there. And listen, let's not get into a philosophical debate on quarterback scoring. But given standard scoring operations, yes. it feels foolish to me to not at least take a dart throw on Justin Fields. You don't have to draft him as your starter. That's fine. But the running ability alone just leads me to be drafted or taking a chance on him. It just seems ridiculous not to. We know about the speed. We know about his get-out ability. Um, and I just feel like he's got the at least the upside to certainly take one to the to the cribbo at any at any opportunity. Um, when you're talking about a Chicago Bears offense, Adam, that again, outside of Mooney and Komet, who are we throwing the football to? You know, there, there's going to be some checkdowns, I think, to the running back position, certainly. Um, but generally, we know mobile quarterbacks don't tend to check it down, really. So um, Justin Fields, what kind of commitment is he going to have to running the football? Um, last year, I felt like he didn't quite know what he wanted to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, that goes back to the coaching staff. Did he want to be a pocket passer? Did he want to just make plays? Because when young guys rank, when young guys, when young quarterbacks who have the ability to run the football, they can't make that early read. They just get out. That wasn't yeah. Justin Fields for some reason, which, which was confusing to me, right? Like he didn't have his first read. He didn't have his second read. Okay. Now just run, but no, that's not what he did. He stuck, he, he hung around in the pocket and far too often took negative yardage when I just felt like, oh my gosh, you're a young guy. You've got the legs, man. Just, just get out there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there was a lot of opportunities uh, for him to get out. And yet, and yet he didn't, and yet still had over 400 rushing yards. Um, and to me, that that is very intriguing. So to your point, yeah, this is a guy that could absolutely rack up 500, 600 rushing yards given a full workload this season. Um, I, I kind of sort of agree with you. We love rushing quarterbacks in fantasy football. I think Justin Fields is a very solid sleeper quarterback. Yeah, it, it's unfair. And again, it goes back to the way fantasy football rewards rushing quarterbacks. It doesn't seem right. fair. I know that you love doing six points for passing touchdowns. Got to. Negative Got four. To. Negative yes. four for interceptions. That way you there cannot, you know, you can't, you know, just take one of these quarterbacks who's throwing a ton of picks. The Jameis 30-30 year. Uh, right. Something to or the, or it, it, we really called it the Blake Bortles rule. You know, yes. it's like Blake Bortles was an awful real life quarterback. I mean, just abysmal and yet was a, a fantasy football. He was still a top 10 quarterback in fantasy. That's that my brain hurts. Like it, it, that can't happen. You know, that can't yeah. happen. So when you go six, four, um, that kind of sort of equals itself out where yeah. you get a lot more like damaging games from Blake Bortles uh, and the Jameis Winstons of the world than you do good games. And I feel like that is a little bit more in line uh, with the real game. No, I, I agree with you. Are you, you want to make it, I know everybody always asks me too. They're like, what do we do? Like, what is, what is the workaround uh, to kind of make it more fair, reward the good quarterbacks? I think number one, six, four is a, is a great way to do that. Super flex also makes that very important. I had a question on Twitter the other day. Somebody was asking me about Josh Allen. Like, should I keep Devontae Adams or Josh Allen? And, you know, I'm like, well, what is what is the league setup? Like, if it's right. if it's super flex, you keep Josh Allen. If it's not, you would go with Devontae Adams. And that just shows you that it's wrong. And speaking of uh, Devontae Adams, let me ask you real quick before I let you go. Yes, Aaron Rodgers is fantasy-wise, we – just again, just as a, a fantasy query. Uh, do you think he takes a hit this year without Devontae Adams? Or do you think like it's going to be no big deal? He's going to turn uh, Romeo Dubs 
into a fantasy superstar. I know Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. It's like, who, who is this guy thrown to right now? Um, and they talk man. about Justin Fields and his lack of weapons. <laughs> is this guy, I got broke, broken down Sammy Watkins, like uh, Alan Lazard, who wants to be <laughs> Alan Lazard talking about like, I want to be one of the best receivers in the NFL. You're like, settle down. Oh sir. my God. Uh, not only that, but it's like, okay, what's up with David Bakhtiari, man? Like, is he, is yeah. he good to go? Do we know if he's good to go? Sound like it. Lot, lot of questions uh, in regards to that offensive line too. I, we, we think Elton Jenkins will be healthy. Pretty sure he will be, but we're not sure. Uh, coming off of an ACL tear, I believe. So, um, man, imagine if Bakhtiari and Jenkins are not around. We're talking about your like two Pro Bowl um, tackles. I don't know. I think we kind of saw that. Didn't we see this? I felt like we saw this story like five years ago where it was Mike McCarthy's last stand. Their offensive line was in tatters and Aaron Rodgers was just running around, um, you know, in a panic, man. Like, you know, again, great quarterback, but it's like he can only do so much. Right. Um, You know what, man? It's so interesting you bring this up. I wrote a note to myself. Like, low-key, I feel like Aaron Rodgers is a huge bust candidate. Oh, Um, love it. Like, a huge bust candidate. Like, low-key, you know? Like, I'm not sure if I'm ready to, like, unveil that hot take. Uh, (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But but maybe. I I don't know. Be ready. Maybe we'll we'll tweet it out for you. James Coe. Yeah, exactly. I won't. We won't do that. Sammy, Sammy's already making up the Instagram post. Sammy, stop! Don't, don't, don't hang James out to dry like that. But it is. I don't know. If is, I'm ready. I might be. A, I'm close. I'm close to ready. But yo, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Aaron Rodgers. He's no spring chicken. No. Nope. Dude's gonna be what? 39 years old this upcoming season, bro. Like, yeah. Okay. We're getting to like drop off age right here, aren't we? I mean, look, there's yeah. there, there can't be that many Tom Brady's in this world, brah. You know, yeah. like I know Aaron Rodgers look has looked freaking phenomenal the last two years, but you take away his safety blanket, you take away one of the best weapons in the game in Devontae Adams, and okay, and again, I'm just saying, maybe, maybe, maybe. and or Jenkins is not around, okay. You know, I know Green Bay's done an awesome job drafting O-lineman, but I don't know. Something could happen there. The O-line could be worse. Aaron Rodgers could be worse. The receiving core is definitely worse. I've never been a LaFleur fan either. Um, I, no, listen, hey, I am like on... I am on an island here, but I don't feel like LaFleur's a good coach, man. Do like, not, um, does, he, does he not give you like sort of like Adam Gase vibes? Of like, oh my how, gosh, how hundred percent? Like, how much of a genius are you really if you're just orchestrating Aaron Rodgers? Like, it's like, it's not like you resurrected the career of like one of these other quarterbacks, <laughs> like some midline quarterback. What I'm like That's Andy what Dalton, I'm like if Andy Dalton had <laughs> the best you. years of his career with you, <laughs> then perhaps. But it's like it's Aaron Rodgers. Like, what did you do? Like, like yeah. I don't know. Like I agree with you. It's like okay, Aaron Rodgers is in firm control of the offense, and and meanwhile, I feel like he's kind of sort of like overcoming this whole boomer offense that they've got in Green Bay. Like they want to run the ball with two backs like all the time. Like I don't. I just I'm just confused. You know, in Tennessee, was he good? Do we no. know if he was? I, I don't think no. he was good in Tennessee. Well, you know what he did? He was like he goes. We should run the ball with Derrick Henry. I, he was the one who finally figured it. Or was it Arthur Smith? No, that was Arthur Smith. That was Arthur Smith. It it wasn't. Yeah. Because it wasn't. wasn't, Yeah, you're right. It's like he wasn't like the guy that unleashed Derrick Henry. That's not what he did. No, not at all. And he was, uh, you know, he just was from that Sean McVay coaching tree. Like, I I think there's a lot of like with Matt LaFleur and I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to upset my friends in Cincinnati uh, because I had a good time there last weekend. But Zach Taylor all of a sudden became a good coach once Joe Burrow <laughs> showed up and started dominating. Dude, let me let me just I, I had to pull this up, man. But like Matt LaFleur, his last year as an OC yeah. in Tennessee decided that it was a good idea to give old ass Dion Lewis 155 carries 
in that offense. Bruh. Bro. Well, I mean, come on, bruh. What Bro, is what Deion Lewis is getting 155 carries? Derrick Henry was getting 215. That was, I mean, like a 60-40 split between Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis, bro. Like what? That is that good coaching? I don't yeah. feel like that's good coaching. No. <laughs> I I feel like Matt LaFleur and his well-manicured eyebrows are one of the biggest, not a fraud, but I don't know. And by the way, I'm convinced that uh, that Packers coaching staff did not like me. I saw them at the NFL Honors, and it was uh, whoever their general manager is, Budacris uh, or whomever, and uh, LaFleur and some other guy, Mark Murphy. Like, they did they, – Some other guy. I don't the team, know. The team They're all wearing their Green Bay stuff. Team presidents of one of the 32 NFL clubs, whatever. yes. Listen, <laughs> some guy, Mark Murphy. <laughs> is that him? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'll just say, did you see Murphy or not? Like, that's so great. I don't know. It's so great that you just see some NFL executive and you're like, yeah, some schmuck in a suit was there. I and he didn't know. like me. I would not have recognized <laughs> any one of them unless they had the Packers lapel pin. Oh and, my God, uh, that is fantastic. LaFleur's La like well manicured eyebrows. Because one of the guys, yeah. one of the Packers players did come up and start talking to me and start talking about how I was talking to James Jones. So, but like he was like, hey, we know who you are. I'm like, oh no. Like oh, they're boy. jokes, sir. Oh boy. Well, and I don't know if you listened to me uh, earlier in the show, but David Montgomery, when I when I met with David Montgomery on Wednesday, he was like, hey, he's like, I, I was really, I, I'm, I was looking forward to talking to you. And I'm like, wow. I'm sorry. Like, who do you think I am? He's like, oh, we know who you are. He's like, we know. He's like, they've all, they all admitted uh, Jalen Johnson and David Montgomery, all those guys are like, oh, we listen. We, we know what's going on with the media. Oh my gosh. We know who's saying what. Which is cool, and you're like, oh my gosh, and the Bears are really excited about this, and you're like, oh my god, the Packers have to hate me. This is why um, I don't get sent to Green Bay. Yes, which is fine. Like, keep me out of Wisconsin. <laughs> like, I don't care. Like, oh, I'm being punished by not going to Wisconsin. I don't oh, look at you. Look at I you. I don't like I too it. when they, when they show like they they do the NFL Network animation and they show the pin yeah. of where Lake Forest is in comparison to Chicago. And it, okay. where it is in comparison to the state of Wisconsin, it's like, yeah, I'm a little too close to Wisconsin. I'm not, <laughs> wow. I'm not digging this as much because it's, Look you know, you. it's, it's, oh no, it's my not gosh. Too. Wisconsin has you. some beautiful parts. Green Bay, Absolutely. not being one of them. <clears throat> okay. I, wow. Okay. So yeah, man, I don't know, man. I'm like, I'm ready to, uh, I don't, I don't know if I'm a hundred percent ready to unleash the hot take of Aaron Rodgers going to fall off, but bro, yeah, you don't want to kill him. Don't kill him in yourself. I know. That, I think about that. Oh, is, that good? Time, man. is that a good? Is that a good thing? Do you want to be? Because like, like Kellerman, oh, I think about Kellerman how he just rode off Brady like eight years ago or whatever. It's crazy. But man, tell me, tell me that the ingredients are not at least there, you know, for an Aaron Rodgers fall off. Oh it's, my god, it's, it's there. It's there. Like we had. Um... We, you know, we talk to people who are not Bears fans and they're they're You know, a lot of people are dismissive of the Bears receiving core, which is fine. There's a lot of unproven. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of faith being put into it. But it's like, you cannot tell me that it's worse than the Packers because the Packers, that's and I and I love Romeo Dubs. Like, don't get me wrong, but it's like, that's what you're counting on. You're counting on your fifth round pick or whatever round he went in. I don't know that. Well, I mean, Christian Watson was an earlier round pick for them. But he's, he's got, he hasn't, he hasn't it, been practicing. I know, uh, I know. He, missed, he has not showed well in camp yet. No, no, I agree. A lot of time, I, like, yes, he has. But the athletic profile—I'm staying on brand here, rank. You know me. Oh, but God. the athletic profile for Christian Watson—I mean, oh, it, that is that is interesting, man. Do you want to? You want to plug reception perception here? Is that what you're doing? Well, I just want to bring up his athletic profile before I dive into the whole RP profile. But man, like 6'4", 210, he ran a 4.3640 with a 38 and a half inch vertical again at 6'4". Yeah. I mean, bro, that that is enticing. That I I just would be salivating uh thinking about if Christian Watson can develop just a little bit. 
Um, and remember, it took Devontae Adams a couple seasons to develop too, but the Packers don't got that kind of time, bro. Like they need Christian Watson to do things pretty much from the word go. I yeah. almost I almost hope that they use him kind of like rookie Martavis Bryant, where they're just like, hey, young guy, you got the legs. Go ahead and clear out deep. Um and we're just going to feed Alan Lazard. And if they start sleeping on you over the top, I'm just going to hit you over the top. Maybe you catch eight to 10 touchdowns on like 60 receptions. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that would be, uh, I think the ideal move for Christian Watson. Look, in, I know we're talking fantasy, but in fantasy, I'm not, I'm not interested in, in, in really in Christian Watson, especially not after, you know, they're probably going to work in, you know, Watkins. They're probably going to work in this Romeo Dobbs character. Um, and we'll see what happens. But, um, but boy, from a real life perspective, I'm so intrigued, man. Like he can absolutely be that like go getter over the top because again, six, four, four, three, six, 40. That's, that is rare size speed combination, man. Yeah. You don't see that a lot in the NFL. And that's one of the reasons why he was so highly regarded coming out of college. And one of the reasons why you're so highly regarded is that you do a great job of breaking down the NFL, especially from a fantasy perspective, direct TV fantasy red zone this fall where else can people find you james well let's see hopefully we run it back at fan controlled football um and there might be some other fan controlled announcements i don't know we'll see uh, but of course my work will uh, my written work will be found on receptionperception.com um and you know i got some other things i don't know percolating i can't share it quite yet but we are working on some things in the background um, that could be kind of exciting too. So um, maybe if those things do unfold, you, you'll be kind enough to have me back, man. Oh, we would love that. So you have an open invitation anytime you want to sit here and take a break on Fantasy Island. Uh, open yeah. invitation at any point. I uh, want to thank you. Great seeing you. Sorry that I missed your birthday uh, last week, but you know I was, <laughs> I was coming back. Like I, I, couldn't, I couldn't be like, come back from Cincinnati and then be like, hey, I'm going to go on a pub crawl. Losing it up. Yeah. You know exactly. how it goes. But yeah, I, uh, exactly. I appreciate you being here, and uh, we will definitely have you on in the future. Be well, and uh, we'll see you soon. Rank, it's always great catching up, man. Good luck with you. Good luck to you this upcoming season. And, man, you are just absolutely freaking crushing it on this podcast, bro. Uh, you're far too kind. We're having a good time, but we thank you. And uh, there he goes, the great James Coe. Want to thank him. You know, we were sitting here, we didn't, you know, Fantasy Island. Uh, we took a lot of time, but I thought it was very fun to get into, taking some shots at the Packers, having a good time otherwise. Want to thank him for coming on, and we want to thank you for joining us here and for everybody who's listening on w, uh, WCKG AM 1530. Thank you for making us the Chicago home of the SICK podcast. Well, a quick reminder, we'll be back Tuesday night. Carmen Vitale and I will be back for another edition of Take It to the Rank, 8 p.m. Eastern. Until that time, Bear down, and Sammy, why don't you go ahead and play us out? And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.